French conductor Chloe Van Zoterstede is one of the very prestigious Dudamel Fellows this season with the Los Angeles Philharmonic. She's working with Gustavo Dudamel, but also with other conducting legends like Michael Tilson Thomas and Zubin Mehta. It's quite an honor for a young conductor to have this experience and really help set them up for future success as a music director of a major orchestra. I spoke with Chloe on the Classical Post podcast, where we explore her new experience as a Dudamel Fellow, but also how she created her own London-based orchestra, Arch Sinfonia, which celebrates their 10th anniversary this year. Comprised of excellent players from other London ensembles like the Great Philharmonia and the London Philharmonic, this dynamic organization is named after the idea of building metaphorical bridges, like an arch, connecting things. In this case, Arch Sinfonia is building unique connections between the audience and the orchestra, even having audience members sit amidst the players, such as right in front of the timpani. The audience even votes at the end of each concert to shape the next concert program. This type of real dialogue has bode well for Chloe and her team and provides an interesting idea for future discussion. We also speak of how female conductors among the top 25 American orchestras are extremely rare and how she just might be on the cusp of something great now that she's working at the highest level. For some fun lifestyle recommendations in this podcast, you'll hear of Chloe's love of silky sleeping masks, pad thai in London restaurants, and a propensity for modern art. This is the Classical Post podcast, exploring the intersection of classical music, style, and wellness. We dive into meaningful conversations with leading artists from an array of different backgrounds. Based in New York City, Classical Post is a touchpoint for tastemakers. I'm Jonathan Eifert. Let's get into it. Congratulations on being named a Dudamel Fellow for the 21-22 season. Uh, what does all of that entail? So um, this means that I'm going to spend uh, five to seven weeks uh, with the Los Angeles Philharmonic, uh, assisting, uh, mainly assisting conductors, including one week with Gustavo Dudamel. Uh, so I'm, I'm working at the moment, I'm in Los Angeles now, uh, with Michael Tilson Thomas. Uh, I've got one week with him. I've chosen also a week with Zubin Mehta, which is very exciting and great repertoire. Uh, and I, and I cannot wait to, of course, meet Gustavo Dudamel. So it's basically, uh, a little bit of time with the, the, the Los Angeles Philharmonic, we also have one project that we actually actively conduct the orchestra. So I'm really looking forward to this. This is going to be in February for me. It's really, really exciting. Uh, and uh, I'm also seeing you're making very important inroads, though, uh, as a leading female conductor, because obviously right now in this climate um, and just even before, we just weren't seeing uh, that. And, and finally, you know, there's this massive breakthrough, which is so amazing. Um, and I, I just read something recently that out of all of the leading orchestras in the U.S. right now, like out of the 25 orchestras, there's only one or two that have a female conductor or something like that. I mean, it's something, a crazy low percentage or number. Um, so uh, what do you intend to do with this platform since you are 
a female conductor, um, especially given the context of everything. Yes, of course. I mean, it's great to to, to see Natalie Tutzman, uh, Marin Alsop, who are two wonderful uh, conductor and uh, leading in the U.S. And it's true that it's uh, we don't have many female conductors. But, you know, since I was a, a teenager, I always wanted to, to become a, a conductor and even more so when I studied violin and viola inside the orchestra. And I never saw a barrier for me because my first uh, conductor in the orchestra was uh, female. Uh, so I always saw actually a female on the podium. So I was really lucky in a way to to uh, to not have this this barrier, um, and then of course I, I became you know fellow uh, of the Techie Alsop Concordia uh, Fellowship with Marin, um, while now conducting major orchestras etc. So I think for me it's very important um, to show that um, conducting and well, composing you know is accessible now to every genders. Uh, it's not only female; we also have. Uh, many other genders, you know, on the podium. And I think it's very important to to, to show a, a kind of a role. I mean, being a fellow of Marin Alsop is also um, carrying a little bit the legacy of what she's um, installed uh, in the past. So I think it's, uh, you kind of have some responsibility to, to actually make the, the world change in this way. Where do you find inspiration to create music? So for me, it's nature. I have, you know, there are so many textures in, in music. Uh, I can find uh, a lot of relationship between you, wind, uh, uh, you know, tremolo on the, the fingerboard or something that is very, very uh, windy, so wind, tree shapes. Each time I, I travel to a different country and I, I, I love going hiking, and nature and therefore it inspires me so so much uh to see how a tree for instance is carved in in inside their trunk uh clouds mountains sound of rivers uh hiking trails you know the ground shows you uh you know how i don't know how maybe a certain uh, texture inside the the orchestra the colors of autumn everything so nature is really a massive uh, inspiration uh, source to create music. When we think about the various kind of um, artistic fields of art, design, architecture, fashion, again, outside of the world of music, uh, is there any one of these fields that you find particular um, uh, yeah, influential kind of tendencies that, that somehow when you are conducting, when you are making music, you are kind of calling on these, um, this field, if you will? Yeah, I think uh, architecture, any any sort of architecture. I mean, modern architecture, I really like it. It's for me, um, I can link it with the form of a symphonic word, the, the overall work of a symphony, for instance. Um, I, could, I could say architecture equal kind of overall work of symphony. And then the sculpture could be the texture. And, and this can also therefore be related to, to nature. Uh, so yeah, totally, I mean, each time I, I go and uh, visit a museum, for instance, which I really like, uh, finding, yeah, looking at different sculpture, I really like modern arts, um, 
painting, etc. It's uh, it's very refreshing, and therefore you always find some lots of inspiration uh, to go inside the music you're actually doing at the time. Uh, you mentioned modern art. Is there a particular artist in that um, uh, you know a particular period of art history that that you um, can point to and say, yeah, that's that's the artist that I really derive a lot of um, inspiration. Not a particular artist, but for instance, in London, I love doing, I, I love going to the Tate Modern because uh, they, there are so many uh, different exhibitions, uh, uh, temporary exhibitions, actually, that uh, put some amazing, uh, totally crazy works. Uh, it can be, it can be just either just a single chair that is there. It can be, you know, any kind of, so I don't actually have a particular artist in mind, but uh, any kind of maybe crazy, crazy things or less crazy things. I, I really enjoy uh, modern, modern arts. Describe a routine you have in place that helps you live a healthier life. And again, something that's outside of music. So walking, of course, I, I keep it very uh, consistent in my answers because nature, walking, you know, uh, I, I just love escaping from, 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 from the busyness of, the, of, of life from, because I live in London, it's very busy. I'm from Paris, it's very busy. Uh, so walking, especially walking, not in the street, but in, in a park, high park or Regent's park, or, you know, uh, even when I travel, it's important that I, I actually walk to get away from, from, from the music in my mind, but also refocus and something totally different is see my friends. I'm really attached to my friends. It's very important for me to, uh, to, yeah, to carry on, uh, having this human connection. Uh, and of course escaping in a museum. I'm really uh, always trying to, to escape in a museum. Here in Los Angeles, I didn't yet uh, have, have time to, to go to different museum, but I, I, I mean, my, my hotel is just in front of the Broad and Michael Tilson Thomas was telling me, you need to go to the Broad. So I'm, I'm looking forward to escape to a museum. Uh, and of course, when I have time uh, hiking. So uh, I think the, the escaping from business is something that keeps me, yeah, healthy, let's say. What energizes you in life to keep going, to keep creating? So it's funny that you ask this because my mind is in constant working mind very often, even though I'm always, I have a feeling that I'm always on, on mode on. I'm, I, I, it's very difficult to switch off. When I switch off, it's, I'm trying to switch off when I'm actually therefore on a walk or, or in, in a museum. So energize me. Um, I, I'm going to say it again. I think na nature and, and walks really give me my, my, my push. I'm not someone who I, I really like watching films, etc. It's just that I prefer, I prefer the outdoors, even though I'm from Paris, I, I, I was, you know, raised in a city, uh, live in a city and therefore maybe these balances where Actually, I need, I need the, the outdoors I need. So this, this really energizes me uh, to keep creating. And it's a little bit like 
recently I was reading Sibelius uh, memoir and uh, he although he's a Finn and he lives uh, you know in the he used to live of course in the middle of the nature etc uh, there is this need I mean for him there is this need to get attached to nature and I just really feel like there is this need for me as well to to escape into nature um, so this this is the an important time for me in energizing myself. What is one specific product you highly recommend? Can be anything, skincare, food, tech, gadget, wine, spirit, etc. <laughs> so I would say a good sleeping mask for me. It's uh, and a good filtered earplug, especially when you travel in a very noisy London tube. It's, uh, it's just very, very noisy. But sleeping mask, a nice silky one. It's very, it's pretty, it's really nice. <laughs> I love that actually. I'm gonna, I'm gonna remember <laughs> that one. <laughs> <laughs> you live in London, uh, from my understanding. And so I'm very curious uh, to hear what restaurant or bar you love to eat at. Um, and then obviously, what's the best thing to order there? So I really like Pad Thai. It doesn't sound very London-y, but I just love Pad Thai. Actually, in London, what I love, and probably in New York, is the same. Uh, in Paris, less so, let's say. But the the variety of food is totally crazy. It's just from, you have everything. Uh, and I just really like a, a pad thai. When I was confined in South London, there is a, a, a place called a Pad Thai Story in Wandsworth Town. It's southwest. Uh, it's very good. I always used to take the tofu but, uh, pad thai. Um, I'm, I'm trying to become a vegetarian, so uh, we go to the um, save the planet mode. Um, yeah, so Pad Thai in Pad Thai Story in London. What's your favorite thing to do in London other than attending all the fabulous concerts and the restaurants, uh, eating at them, something outside of that? Something, if I was not a conductor, I would probably be a dancer. So, uh, because I just love expressing, I mean, the, the contemporary dance is something I love watching. So uh, I would escape to Sadler's Wales uh, in London. That's... Uh, that's a, that's a fantastic venue that welcomes usually uh, contemporary uh, dance uh, companies. Uh, so I would go there. But also I love going once a year to the uh, Wildlife Photographer of the Year. It's at the Natural History Museum. And this is so mind-blowing because those photographers are amateurs. Uh, and you see some beautiful um, pictures, I mean, photos from them. So it's once a year, but it's really worth uh, your, your time there. Sadler's Wells is amazing. Um, I actually used to live in London and had um, been to that, that space. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. You just really yeah. great stuff they do. Yeah. I, one day I saw, I was trying to remember the name, but I can't remember. It was an amazing performance of so many different uh, uh, passages from Beethoven symphonies. All, all, all in, uh, intrigated, no, what the name, all putting together. I mean, you could recognize, oh, that's the sixth, oh, that's the fifth, oh, that's the seventh symphony. 
And the movements were so, so fluid on that. I mean, it was so mind-blowing. I was trying to find the name yesterday, but I couldn't remember. Tell us about creating Arch Symphonia, which is the orchestra you founded. And obviously, congrats on celebrating your 10th anniversary. Why don't you tell us about how you got into um, this, creating it, the idea, etc. Yes. So, uh, yeah, indeed, you said it. 2012, 10 years ago, I founded my orchestra. It's really... Uh, was created from nothing, no sponsors at the start. Uh, only my colleagues from uh, the music colleges in London. I used to study viola, the Royal Academy of Music. So be behind the idea of arch uh, is bridges, bridges dif from uh, between different forms of arts and the bridge with the audience. Um, we do collaborations with uh, dancers, just did some collaboration with uh, painters, and we are going to do it again and again and again because they really enjoy that. Uh, and also scientists, where the scientists were um, putting some, um, uh, some captors, you say, maybe on our body to, to, to calculate our uh, heart rates. And it was very good for them, for their research and into very interesting for, for us. And it's always the, the link between audience and these forms of, form of arts uh, and musicians, of course. Uh, I always present the concert as well. So I'm a bridge in a way, you know, and also, um, I created Conduct Us, where bypassers in the city of London conduct the orchestra. I give some advice. So it's kind of giving access to classical uh, music to everyone. But also, I want to break the boundaries between the artists and the audience. Um, so we invite the audience uh, to sit inside the orchestra to have this kind of feeling to be surrounded by sound and it, it works really well uh, when i put them in front of the timpani uh you know they get this kind of energy behind their back it's wonderful to see um and also the audience votes at the end of each concert to shape the program of our next concert so we we play two different excerpts uh next concert is going to be a short excerpt of sibelius vals trist and forêt pavan because the 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 main uh, one of the main uh, concerts theme is dance, a little bit of some different kind of type of dance, uh, and then they will choose Sibelius or Fauré that they will actually hear in their uh, entirety at the next concert. So it's very the the, the art symphonia is 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 creating uh, bridges. I find that fascinating um, that analogy because if we kind of back up a little bit to what we first talked about, about finding inspiration. And in, in I think architecture, you also mentioned, um, I think if I recall correctly. And so this kind of, it's like an architectural element, I suppose, right? Is a bridge. Um, yeah. And th that's interesting that you kind of made this uh, connection with the naming of the orchestra, uh, Arch Sinfonia. Yeah. It's, uh, and also, you know, it's important for me to have some very flexible musicians. So all my musicians are uh, freelancers inside great uh, orchestra, London Philharmonic, Philharmonia, uh, or smaller orchestras, like uh, a wonderful orchestra that I love in London. It's called Aurora Orchestra. Um, and they, they are very flexible players. So we can try so many, so many different things 
it's a pleasure to work with them. So it's great. Yeah. No, I, I think it's it's really amazing. And in terms of the next 10 years, I mean, what, what can you forecast or do you have some sort of, um, I'm sure you have a vision for where you want it to be in the next 10 years, but uh, any thoughts on that? It's, uh, we need to have, the, the team is there more and more, just solid, more and more solid, let's say. Um, of course, I would love to, in 10 years, play uh, in many different festivals, um, the, the Fringe Festival in Edinburgh, but also I'm thinking, of course, of the legendary uh, BBC Proms at the Royal Albert Hall. We're not there yet, but I'm convinced that it, within the next 10 years, we can do something uh, uh, great because I, I believe that the um, that you know uh, with time we we need to create these these bridges. It's not only in music; bridges have to be happening uh, in other uh, discipline. Uh, so listening to concerts from a point of view of an audience, we need to um, yeah we need to to engage them. I think that's very important to engage the audience. So. Um, We've got so, so, so many different ideas playing in prisons, for instance, I would love to do this. Uh, so it's kind of another audience, but it's still an audience. Uh, so many ideas for the next 10 years. In terms of other uh, projects that you have going on right now, is there any particular thing you would like to highlight uh, on the podcast? Uh, yes. So I just um, got um, a title with uh, a French orchestra that is a wonderful orchestra, Orchestre National d'Auvergne. Uh, I'm the chef of residence, residency uh, conductor there, where I'm going to be uh, conducting them for the two next seasons. So it's very exciting. It's a, it's a, it's a very good um, uh, orchestra where I can do some beautiful program. I'm doing some Berlioz, Les Nuits d'été. Uh, I do some some smaller actually repertoire like Mozart, etc. But I also have some exciting debuts in Europe, like with Liège Philharmonic in Belgium. Uh, I'm coming back to Los Angeles to work with Subin Meta. Uh, and I've got some really exciting uh, North American debuts uh, and actually European debuts uh, next, next season or the end of this season as well. I cannot tell you more, but follow me. <laughs> awesome. And uh, to close out the podcast, I'm really curious to hear what success means to you. It's such an individual, uh, personal thing, but I, I am curious uh, to hear your take on that. Yeah. Um, you know, going forward to change the, the perception of what classical orchestra can really do, maybe therefore, you know, creating bridges, this is uh, su a successful career is also this, it's maybe creating hope, um, hope in actually change of, uh, seeing more female, you know, in, uh, in, on, in, on the podium, um, success for me, is not a personal, you know, if, if a concert is a massive success is, is a success, not only me, of course, I'm leading the orchestra, but because, because I, uh, because my perception of, um, of a good concert is, is, is I'm bringing this to the orchestra and therefore the orchestra is the success. I mean, you know, it's, it's a team, it's always a team. So, um, a successful, uh, career, successful concert cannot happen without, uh, it's very important for me to actually, uh, thank, thank all the, the people around, uh, around me who are supporting. So 
success means uh, all this. Maybe I'm not really clear, but change of perception to yeah, what 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 uh, we can really we can really do creating once again creating bridges. It's uh, something that really matters to me. Thanks for listening to the Classical Post podcast. Explore more insightful content on our website at classicalpost.com, where we share original perspectives, listening guides to new recordings, and conversations with the leading artists. Stay abreast of classical music, style, and wellness by signing up for our monthly briefing, delivered directly to your inbox. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Eifert. Thanks for listening.